0: All right, guys. Hey, Kenny Duncan Jr. back with Coin Shop Podcast here with my brother, Matt, and here with an absolutely amazing, special, freaking cool guest, Johnny Manziel, 2012 Heisman Trophy winner and just absolute stud on the football field, Johnny Football, as many of you know. And we are honored, deeply honored to have him here in the studio today. Ladies and gentlemen... Coming to you from the U.S. Coins and Jewelry Studios in Houston, Texas, the Duncan Brothers, Kenny and Matthew proudly present the most valuable audio you'll ever hear. It's time for the Coin Shop Podcast.
1: Johnny, what's up? What's going on, guys? I, uh... Appreciate you having me on. I've been getting a chance to look at some pretty awesome stuff as we've uh, been sitting here kind of chatting for the last hour or so. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so. it's funny. I thought I kind of scheduled like a fifteen-minute pregame, and I think it's been like an hour and a half so far. We've been bull- yeah. just been bullshit. No, like- it's
1: been great. Some of seeing some of this, uh, the collectibles and and some of the coins and some of the other stuff has been uh, it's been really cool to see. My first time for sure.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah no, we
0: appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, we. Um, We've been kind of talking about this back and forth, I guess for like the last couple I'd say maybe a month or so yeah. Yeah. um and you know, alas, Johnny's here, and um yeah, we've just been kind of shooting the shooting shooting it and just yeah. hanging out talking about pretty much from everything baseball football t ball uh <laughs> coach pitch traveling um so. One of the things that we really wanted to get into a little bit was the whole nil and kind of how that's reshaped college football and um I find it fascinating because I was a big advocate for players I mean I mean these guys are entertaining, you know like why in the world are they not getting paid to, to play yeah yeah, I mean it's a huge draw college football I mean is enormously huge. And you have these guys who are literally, I, I say putting their life on the line. Like, but I mean, in some cases, I mean, you're literally, you're running out there, like you said, 20, 25 miles an hour, 23 miles an hour, and you're getting hit dead on. I mean, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. Right. And so few college players make it to the, make it to the, the show. Right. Or, or, and tell me a little bit about how that was in 2012 versus kind of the way you see it now.
1: Yeah, when people would ask me um, in 2012, you know, I did this thing with Time Magazine where it was like, is it time to pay um, college football players? And I remember when I would be asked this question, you know, my freshman and sophomore year in um, college, you know, I would always say that I think there is a way for this to be able to, you know, to happen. I don't know if it's people going out and using their own image and likeness to do it on their own, kind of the way it is now, or you know, what makes it fair and balanced and um, throughout the world of college football. And now we have what we have today. And um, I think it's been life-changing for a lot of people. You know, as being in a locker room, I got a chance to really see where, you know, hundred, you know, ninety or 100 or whatever the scholarship kids who come in or, you know, where they're from, what walks of life they're from and kind of, you know, what What it is like for some of these kids coming from nothing to be able to come into some of these college football programs. And it's not um, all Plano. It's not, no, it's not, it's it's not not, all, um, glitz and glamor for, for some of these people, you know, um, you know, watching some of these kids come in, it's the first time they've had, you know, a real solid roof over their head you know, a real solid three meals every single day. And really, um, getting taken care of in a health and wellness type of uh, place that these college football programs, you know, really take care of you. So it's, it's some of these guys first time to really um, have a great way of living. And then you throw in the NIL stuff where it's, you know, life-changing money um, for them, for their family um, and everybody involved. So, you know, to see what it's come to now, I think with how big the college football business college athlete athletics in general, um, how big it's gotten, there's too much money to not um, be shared with the athletes in, in yeah. some way, shape or form. Something cool I think you see now as well is, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of girls that are still crushing this NIL stuff and doing a ton of deals and yeah. ton of brand deals that yeah, you would have a, never thought about before.
0: There's a basketball player. I, uh, you know, I, I think maybe Joe Rogan was talking about it. There was a, maybe she's a girl, basketball, blonde girl. I, I don't, remember but she, yeah she was crushing it she was making a couple million dollars a year yeah. Wow. um yeah good for her right yeah, i mean that's, that's amazing great. that to yeah. me that's like why is everybody else getting to make money but the people who actually are doing the performing sure if you like, look yeah. at the
1: ncaa and and you look at them as a non-profit and they're you know <sighs> ncaa march madness just the basketball tournament itself was like a two billion dollar wow. you know type of business um, yeah. that I tried they're to running buy. with ads. And- I tried to
0: buy an ad, yeah. you know, and it was like, um, I mean, they wanted 40,000 or something for a spot, yeah. you know? <laughs> and then, you know, I, I actually thought about it. You yeah, know, it's a because, big event. Because Houston, yeah, was, right. because Houston was in the <laughs> final four, and I was like, you know, this was a good chance. We were just kind of doing the, we were, the website was kind of new at the time, and I was like, what a good way to really get it out there. Um, you know, I started like doing conversions and doing all the math and, um, you know, at the end of the day, it just financially just didn't make sense. Like it would have been a gamble and I'm, you know, I'm not scared to gamble, but now, who
1: did you go through, through that to try and um, to try and advertise that with? Do you so, go through the the so, network, I guess? So yeah. So I have, I have a
0: guy that takes care uh, his name is Phil Lonsway uh, with the big ideas uh, they do. And they've handled my television for the last 10 years and they've done a great job. Um, sometimes, you know, we'll get um, say for instance, I think, We got into the World Series on one of our rotators. So it was like a $150 spot that you know, just the way that we fell in the place. It was like at 1030, I think our spot aired in like yeah. in between the, the, awesome. the presentation. Yeah, which is like a 12 for $15,000 spot, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but to buy it and to secure it is a whole nother ballgame. Um, and, and then obviously they sell it with other trappings. Like, so you're like, yeah, you know, for 40 grand, we'll give you this. And then, you know, we we'll give you, you know, a couple in the pregame and then it's going to re-air, you know, on this day. And then, you know, we'll give you. And, you know, at the end of the day, it just didn't make sense, but yeah, they're proud the, the, the money that these guys are making and the money that, you know, NCAA is supposed, you know, it just, it's, it's crazy. The schools themselves, I mean, yeah.
1: And, and it's, it's hard because you look at, um, you know, sometimes when you say the schools themselves, you look at the Alabamas, the Michigans, the Oklahomas, the Georgias, but for every one of those schools, you know, there's a. You know, there's Akron or there's, um, you know, some of these smaller schools that don't Alcorn have Alcorn State. Yeah, there you go. That doesn't <laughs> have a, uh, you know, they don't make $50 million off their football program every year. So, you know, this outside money that's coming in, um, even if it's local money, you know, local businesses in this, you know, I think it's, um, you know, no matter what school, big or small, even if there may be some competitive advantages for the players that you're getting to come to your school, you know, look you're gonna make more money if you go to Alabama than you are if you go to Alcorn State or if you go to somewhere else like that that's just the way um, that it is but nevertheless you know there's um there's still money to be made at pretty much every single school throughout the country um depending on on what city you're in and, and local engagement and stuff like that which you know being in college and being a college athlete every hundred two hundred three hundred every hundred dollars makes a huge difference for you going through your life and what you're doing. And and really, you know, there were times and months throughout the season where you'd see some guys, um, you get your first stipend check, your first thousand dollars, and you're supposed to have this last for, you know, you don't get another one for another six weeks or something. you see what survivability is all about when When it comes to the end of, uh, you know, you have guys walking out of the football facilities with, um, to go boxes, twenty stacked on top of each other that they're gonna go throw in the fridge at home and yeah. um, eat for the next two weeks until they get their next yeah. um, stipend check. It's crazy. You could imagine,
0: you know, today where you know we could, you know, kids are getting ten thousand, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand for an Instagram post, or you know, to, to 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 reach like you said, certain engagement. And you know, if you go to Alcorn State and you're a breakout, then you know, now you have a platform, you know, and I just think it's such a cool um and what a great door to open for some of these kids. Because like you said, they come from all places and and they've survived some things that, you know, we could never even imagine, you know, bringing up in childhoods and all these things and look at them and they're polished athletes. Right. Um What a great, what a great thing for them. And I just thought when that thing, when, when they passed that deal last year, I was just, I don't know. I I was elated for it. I just thought it was, I thought it was. Great. Yeah, I
1: think it's. I think it's the right thing to do. The right way to go. I think. Um, you know, there's a couple negatives, a couple downsides with it. Just as far as, um, you know, getting these kids prepared. You know, you go through high school, you go through college, and sometimes you still get out and you feel like you don't know. Um, exactly how to navigate through life and how to navigate through money it's and, what you're, and sure. what you're supposed to do with taxes and what you're supposed to do with financial security yeah, and certain things. Out. Like this is yeah. life changing money, yes. But it, um, it be smart you know, if you're in Austin, Texas, do you go down to Sixth Street on your first night after you get a fifteen thousand dollar deal that you think is coming and coming and coming and oh, I'm a freshman and I'm getting this deal and I've got my sophomore and junior and senior year to stay here and make this money and you really feel like it's gonna last forever. And you know, these are stories that you hear all the time of people when they get to the NFL. Well now we're dealing with almost NFL rookie salary money. You know, you guys are making millions of dollars. So we're talking rookie signing bonus, rookie money you'd make in the NFL. Now you're making as a freshman in college. So you know hopefully some of these schools
0: buying 10-year treasuries hopefully they're doing some (laughs) stuff where they're bringing
1: you know we have people come in throughout college football programs that are you know motivational speakers or um you know guys who will come and, and talk you know i really hope that they're you know, bringing people along and sitting people down with some of these guys to, you know, teach them a way to maybe invest this money, teach them a way to save this money and learn more than you could have than I ever learned, you know, where I was in college. Because that's a great point. You know, when I got to the NFL, I didn't know what I was doing with my money or just kind of had people that handled it and stayed away from it and, you know, didn't want to know and just wanted to make sure everything was good. And, you know, I think this gives people the opportunity to get out ahead, um, you know, of where I was whenever I left school. And I think also on the other side of it, there's a lot of risk for, um, you know, local businesses and certain businesses, you know, investing, look at the Quinn, your situation, for example, right? The guy goes to Ohio state, um, signs a million dollars in NIL deals. Things yeah. don't work out at Ohio state. He Bounces. takes a million dollars, goes to yeah. Texas, probably gets two. Yeah. yeah. So at what point does it just become a, uh, free for all? And I think that's kind of what we're seeing now with the NIL stuff and you hear Saban or, Um, you know, Lane Kiffin, some of these guys are just, and a lot of the talk has been directed toward Texas A&M. Yeah. Just because of how our recruiting class has been the last couple years. And, you know, from what I've heard, it is almost like a type of wild wild west of, uh, you know, college football recruiting right now. Um, So it'll be, you know, it's, it's something that's new and something that I think that'll, They'll find a way to smooth it out as the years go on. You know,
0: they adopted it, and now you know, just like anything else, it'll be modified. Of course, and you know, like you said, and that you brought up a really good point is that you know a lot of people make that jump. And it's like they've never seen five grand, and then much less fifteen or twenty five thousand. And then do you go to Saks and go buy some Louboutins and of you course know, you a, do. A, a couple, of course a, you a, do. A couple of new fits, and then you know, um, you know, and and then you know, you're driving a Hyundai that you've had since high school, but now do you go lease a new, you know, five series or you know a, a C class or whatever? Of course you do, right? Um, and because it, it kind of does, you're betting on the come, right? Yep. And so that's a good point. You know, that's something, you know, and that's, you know, part of what we talked about beforehand to me, kind of with the longevity thing and kind of with some of the projects we're talking about kind of helps with that. Cause that's something that just kind of keeps giving. And, you know, as, as the athlete continues to go on their path, you know, it, it, as, as another milestone, you know, you can continue to capitalize on those milestones. Um, which brings me to a, a cool point. Like what, it, what was the biggest change from from Heisman Trophy winning uh, Johnny Manziel to the pros? Like, what was, like, and not and not the style of play or the speed of the game or nothing like that, but what, like, mentally, what was, like, the, I mean, wow, like, you know, you got drafted and.
1: Yeah, it almost, yeah. It almost feels like for me, you know, just being a kid from Texas, small town, you know, I grew up in, in Tyler, um, ended up moving to Kerrville, which is a town of 20,000 people, you know, to get to the NFL almost felt like, Um, And to get drafted in the first round, and the way that everything had gone through those couple years of my life, almost felt like um, for me, what what else is there left to do? Like um, you know, I've reached such a stage that five years ago was unfathomable to me. You know, graduating high school semester early, um, going to A and M as a freshman. You know, I just wanted a chance to get an opportunity to play. You know, I didn't have. You know, I might have had Heisman dreams. I might have had NFL um, hopes one day down the line, but it wasn't anything sitting at 5'11", you know, bouncing between quarterback and receiver my red shirt year, yeah. trying to find a place on the field. It wasn't anything that was glued and ingrained in my mind that, hey, I'm in, in two years from now, I'm going to be walking across the stage, you know, winning a Heisman trophy, and then a year after that, I'm going to be walking back at Radio City Music Hall and coming back for the first round of the NFL draft. So... So what changed in that
0: in that freshman year? What changed?
1: Um, I started to develop, luckily, a focus, um, you know, that my parents really, you know, they, they saw a gift in me. They saw, you know, I played sports my whole life. I always felt that I had excelled at it and was, you know, better than, you know, some of the other kids that I played with, the majority of the kids that I played with. And, you know, my main thing was focus. You know, I was one of those kids that wanted to run around and, you know, go ride my bike and and mess around in the neighborhood all the time. You know, I didn't didn't have that grind. You know, I had that natural ability. Um, And around that time, my parents kind of locked onto me and were like, you can't squander this gift. You know, you have an opportunity right now to go win the starting quarterback job, you know, at a major university in the state of Texas. This is what you've always dreamed of. Everything um, you've always wanted is still there ahead of you if you – if you work and, and you go put your head down and grind this out for, you know, a small period of time, you know, give up a small um, portion of your freedom right now for future success and, and um, go after it. And my parents really just buckled down on that for me. And that's really what changed it the most. They sent me to a quarterback coach in San Diego and I went for, you know, I left to go on that trip, fourth on the depth chart at Texas A&M grinded for probably two weeks in San Diego during our off break before we came back to, to training camp. And in eight days, um, I think I won the job in less than a week. Wow. And I went from fourth awesome. on the depth chart to, to first. So and what, then got a chance so to what change
0: was it? Was it accuracy? Was it mobility? What was, I mean,
1: I think it was just mechanics. You know, a lot of it was cleaning up, you know um, stuff that I had never really worked on. I think a lot of it was mental um, sharpness too. When yeah. you just, You guys know when you get into a little bit of a different mode and a little bit of a different um, headspace to where outside clutter doesn't really get to you or slow you down or, you know, know, from there moving on, you know, I think there's times where life can just slow you down and what's going on and how you wake up and get out of the bed one day yeah. or what you, you know, you're putting in your body or how much sleep you're getting or
0: are you positive? You're waking up with a positive mental attitude. Or are you waking
1: that, up? That's like a... such a big part <sighs> of it. I, I mean, the, just waking up and telling yourself you're going to have a good day. Um, breeding positivity and putting, you know, everyone that you, that's one thing I always try and do nowadays at least is I try to stay away from negativity yeah. and um, down putting things you know, we see that enough in today's day and age. If you get on social media or you get on anything, sure. you know, the w- easiest way of the world right now is to belittle and put down and, you know, nitpick about what you don't have or what it is or what you're doing wrong. Nobody likes to find a way of what you're doing right anymore or or, or good, positive, uplifting things.
0: Yeah, waking up and trying to find and writing down. I don't write them down every day like I used to. For, for a couple of years, I was writing down three or four or five things that I was grateful for. And was trying to change my mindset to wake up on a positive note and to find out all of the right things that are going on and be freaking grateful for them. And um, it's like you said, just that small change, just in my own personal life, really. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to come in the office and be in a great mood with everybody. Oh, sure, course, they, no, no, like we got to get to work. Right. <laughs> things have to still move. but the way that I feel, the way, the way that drives me, Kenny is, you know, I'm happy in my own headspace. I'm positive. I'm going to try to find the positive in there. Now that doesn't mean that all the negative things are going to just wash away. The work still has to be done. Right. But you know, it's funny you say that. It's like the second you open your eyes, it's like, okay, man, I woke up. Let's get something done today. Right. Let's be positive about it. So, so, you go to the quarterback coach, you come back, you're number one, and you know.
1: That's when you start living the dream. You know, <laughs> when that happened and you're starting to do that, like, you know, I, I get a chance to start against Florida in my first game, goes really bad. We end up losing the game, you know, come back, have for sale signs in my yard. Haggy fans are already, <laughs> this is welcome to the SEC. Oh my God. We're gosh. on to the next type of thing. Um, and then just to go on a, a wild ride of winning games and, you know, developing a quarterback receiver relationship with a guy like Mike Evans, with just running a yeah. whole, you know, you guys were here whenever Cliff Kingsbury and Case Keenum and yep, Kevin Sumlin yep, were absolutely yep. throwing for 6,000 yards a Tarts. year at Houston, were, you know, breaking every single record you could ever think of. So to be able to go and, watch that kind of offense whenever I was in high school and stuff and the records they were doing and then be coached by it and really get a chance to learn that system and that kind of high level, you know, Mike Leach, air raid, you yeah. know, spread it out for me. And what I watch in college football, I I can't get enough of that stuff. These, yeah. the, you know, the Baker, Pat Mahomes game, that's 72 to 68. Like that's the kind <laughs> of, that's the kind of co- college football that I always liked. You know, I always liked the, Colt Brennan back in Hawaii. Oh,
0: dude. He was slinging it, gunslinger
1: type of stuff. So, to beast. get a chance to go through that, you know, my first season, be coached by a guy like Cliff Kingsbury and learn that kind of offense um, with some amazing players, you know, the Ryan Swope, the Mike Evans, the
0: Mike Evans. You know, we had one a of kid from Houston OG.
1: running back, Trey Williams, who was just unbelievable. We had some really, really special guys, um, you know, Jake Matthews, Luke Jokel. We had two unbelievable offensive linemen that. Played in the NFL for a lot of years. So you know, I feel like I just really um, fell into an awesome situation to, to make my college career special. You know, it all had to be so perfect for a freshman to finally get a chance to go to New York and actually, you know, win the trophy. That yeah. was a huge bias as I was reading throughout the year when I thought I might have a chance to win. that. You know, I wasn't going to get it just because I was a freshman.
0: Right. So, I mean, describe... Describe the feeling when they when your name's called.
1: The lady um, that year who you know announced the um, Heisman Trophy really did a great job at, and I say this incredibly sarcastically. She really did a great job of dragging it out as long as humanly possible. <laughs> um, and I remember always looking down at my shirt, thinking that my suit shirt was going to be bouncing back and forth because I your felt heart. like my heart was beating out of my chest because. You know, this was the moment, you know, I I had an opportunity to be on the stage and that year there were only three other finalists. One was Manti Teo from Notre Dame and uh, the other one was Colin Klein from Kansas State. And up until, you know, the last week of the season, Kansas State was undefeated, number two team in the country. And it was pretty much looking like, you know, an undefeated team, best quarterback from the best team um that it would be Colin Klein and I remember watching that game their last game of the season they played Baylor and they got beat by two or three touchdowns and I remember thinking oh shit this could actually they this could, could actually happen yeah um you know with a, with them having a loss and then Notre Dame having a defensive player we haven't had a defensive player win it since yeah. I think Woodson yeah um so it's been Did it's been years Did that catfishing stuff come after or it came after oh, okay. which which um what a wild wild story. I remember after that came out if that would have been the you know that was a huge push in his campaign for for the Heisman that year. I remember. It would have been uh it would have been really really tough um, to have that to have that come out <laughs> and not have won. It would have been something that was really really wild, but yeah. You know, to go to New York and do that and and be in the situation that I was in, you know, there was this website called Heisman pundit and for the last 11 years um, every year except I think the Mark Ingram and Toby Gerhardt year, that was like within you know a thousand or 500 votes to see who won, they had predicted the last 11 um, winners in a row. And I remember checking this website before I left to go to New York, oh. and it said that I was going to be the winner. So, um, you know, from then I went and you know, for the next week before I got to New York, you know, we just worked on a speech, really, you know, thought you know, that I was going to get a chance to win this, that the bias didn't matter. and What a
0: gruesome yeah. week of having to, like, that oh, yeah. pit in your stomach. Very. <laughs> but, but
1: at the same time, going into a situation like this, you know, you, you would rather be over overprepared of um, course. for the speech and for yeah. everything else than you ever would. Sure. yeah, You're free be, rolling, right? I mean, yeah. you're freshman. I mean, you're free 100% rolling, you're, right? It, it is the biggest free roll um, <laughs> to be in this situation, yeah. you know, to have the opportunity to take, you know, 15 of my family members from – tower texas to fly up to new york you yeah. know i got my both my grandparents you know my my dad's sisters my sister came up with her boyfriend you know we got this whole family experience to go up there and be able to win the trophy and you know still to this day um yeah. great relationships throughout my family was past winners and really ingrain you know my family into uh into the heisman trust and into the heisman trophy and it is a such a special, close knit group of guys that come back almost every year and they live for it. They love it. Yeah. You know, it's it's such a great fraternity to be a part of. And I think you know, the guys are top notch. Some of these old college football legends are everything you could ever think of. He's I mean, from, from Eddie George, yeah. we were talking about Archie Griffin earlier. Yeah. You know, Billy Sims. There's the list goes on forever. These guys that are absolute characters.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember my all-time favorite was Eddie George. I mean, that guy, as big as he was, as smooth as he was, as fast as he could move, and just God, that guy was just a freaking animal. You know, I there's not a, like I don't, I don't have like a list of player people I'd love to meet, but I've got like three. Right, yeah, he's he's
1: a great person too. King Griffey is a, is an absolute yeah, stud.
0: My all-time favorite, you know the favorite athlete of all time. I just, I, you know. I'm a Kenny Jr. He's a Kenny Jr. Yeah. Like, I, not that, I mean, but it's just kind of like, you know, watching him play, dude, he was my hands-down freaking favorite player of all time. I was a huge baseball guy. I was a lefty. He's a lefty. I mean, you know, I tried to model my swing after his. Um,
1: you he definitely did the batting stance a couple times. In of course, your- <laughs>
0: right? In, in, in the mirror, you know, you no kind of get that deal. And um, and then, you know, Eddie George was my favorite. You know, be, the Texas, I mean, Houston sold to Tennessee, and then, so, I kind of follow Tennessee. I like Jeff Fisher. I was a Jeff Fisher fan. Love like, him. I love Jeff Fisher. I just thought he was just, you know, I kind of thought he got hosed at, uh, in L.A. But, um, you know, Eddie George, Steve McNair. I mean, dude, Eric McNair. I mean, yeah. that was just one of my favorite teams, you know. Um Dude. I mean, they were awesome. That, t- that Tennessee team was so – and just Eddie George just ran so smooth.
1: He's just an awesome dude. He uh, he called a couple of our games and, and I ran into him quite a bit. And he's uh, – you know, a lot of these guys are as, as top-notch as, as you really? hear about, you know. Um, he's definitely up there on the list.
0: All right. So we talked about Heisman. We talked kind of around the moment. I want, like, give me, like, the five-second. Like, you heard your name being called – he said you know Johnny Manzel Texas A&M you're just like oh shit like where I mean, were you just like let's go do this oh i was
1: ready to go you know i gave my mom and dad and sister a hug and and went straight to the you know straight to the stage and i was ready for the speech you know i'd already done it probably 10 15 20 times in the mirror back in <laughs> college station and yeah awesome. you know I, I almost you know going through it you know had the majority of it almost memorized and what came next and what it was. I think I was just more excited to go up on stage and, and shake everybody's hand that was up there, you know, just to be welcomed into the club, you know, like that, you know, just say your speech. And the whole thing is obviously such a big production that you see on ESPN. So behind the yeah. scenes, kind of everything that's going on, you know, I hadn't done a lot of TV stuff like this, like that in the past, you know, How high, was that? high level production, really, really cool. Cause it's, um, They make it an hour-long segment, but, I mean, it's really um, them adding so much stuff and highlights, and then they'll do a sit-down with the first candidate and the second and the third, and it's kind of, it's in this really cool, really special room in New York, and around the whole room has every winner's, they do a bust uh, painting pretty much um, of everybody, and, you know, it goes all the way back, and and they'll have them, set up where some of the older ones it just doesn't go from time it doesn't go from oldest to newest they're all kind of scattered and and put together throughout the room in almost like a random order and uh the energy in there is just one of college football just lore just uh, talk about collectibles and certain cool artifacts throughout college football history like this room um i feel like it's seen it all as the type of yeah type of energy that it has when you walk in there but it is a you know a huge production they drag out and they literally drag it you look at the time they're like all right the winner's about to be announced and it'll be like seven fifty-six. so you got four minutes left and so you it all happens at the end so quick you feel like it's going to be a long drawdown hour and then when you get down you're like okay four minutes left and when you're this this yeah. thing is coming this is yeah. happening yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, th- I think the most relief that I felt was just getting back to the hotel room and, and my best friend from high school is named Stephen Brandt was my high school receiver, um, was my roommate for my first two years of college. They go, well, you know, what do you want to drink? And I'm like, can we just get a bucket of Budweiser's just sent up to the room? I just want to sit in Times Square with the trophy in between me and my boy from high school and just sit here. And I remember hearing the clink of the bottles as we sat there and just kid from, you know, the hill country of Texas sitting in Times Square with that trophy overlooking, you know, a billboard that A&M put up that was like, you can call him Johnny Heisman. Oh, I'm hilarious. literally sitting out with my best friend, two years removed from, you know, graduating from Tyvee High School in Kerrville, Texas. Now I'm sitting in New York, you know, overlooking Times Square, drinking beers with, you know, my best friend, you know, looking at a billboard of myself. having mm-hmm. just become the first freshman you know to ever win this trophy. Yeah. Um what a what a dream come true. I mean, what else yeah, can you really say awesome about it? It's just uh it it all happened so fast and you know, I guess certain things are meant to be and certain things are meant to happen. It really feels like that's one of those things that uh was just all so perfect. It's it's you know, easy to sit back and talk about.
0: Nice. Well, I'm glad you did it. Yeah, I mean, and kind of uh, I wish it would have lasted
1: a little longer of having, a, you know, the first freshman, you know, winner <laughs> the next year. <laughs> well, you started, you know, yeah. You well, got yeah. a chance yeah. to go back and then, you know, kind of open the whole can of worms a little bit with Jameis coming back and being the second freshman the next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jameis. Um, yeah. I'm a Florida State guy.
1: What a year that was.
0: Yeah, dude. Crazy.
1: Crazy. Crazy national championship game. That was a crazy Auburn team that ended up playing them in the national championship that year. A team that beat us. Yeah, um, wild. But yeah, awesome year for Jameis. I definitely voted for him that year too.
0: Yeah. Oh, did you? I did. Cool.
1: Yeah. I think they were undefeated. He played. He played great in a couple of those games that no, year. He, he was, did. He was outstanding. He was just, a, just a big solid dude. But he was running so much. He was, I, I remember an early season game against Pitt that year. He was running all over the place. Now to see Jimbo, you know, obviously Jimbo was that coach for that national championship team. Obviously, be at A and M. Yeah, I'm trying to find somebody to come in with that magic quarterback. A, quarterback wise, wise at A yeah. and M. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely there. The offense they ran, you know, it's national championship type of offense. Type of offense, yeah, with national championship coach. So you know, that's that's my hope as far as moving forward for for my Aggies.
0: Yeah. PSA out there. All right, we need some quarterbacks who can. Uh, <laughs> all
1: right, I think we've got a guy. I think we've got a guy on the roster right now who, uh, who, who will be who will be good for us. You know, if we're talking about the NIS, nil stuff to go back to it now. You know, it's hard. Um, another area that's really hard is you know how is your freshman uh, quarterback or linebacker or running back making more than your position coach? You know, the guy who's telling you to go down and. Do bear crawls, or hey, you miss class, so you have punishment. You know, uh, how do you not get some of these guys? To be like, hey, I'm at. That's a huge part of it that, wow. that I'm hearing right now. Um, having been back around the program a lot through this year is, you know, how can you? It's it's tough to to have young kids already who are impacted by fame and notoriety through yeah. Instagram and Twitter, and you know. All their time getting recruited they're having every single person in the stadium come up to them and tell them how great they are and how awesome yeah. they're going to be when they get here and you start hearing that so much you believe it yourself and this was you know something i fell victim to you know throughout my years moving forward in my career you know when you think you're the best of the best and you think there's no more to be learned the first second that you get on campus it makes everything really difficult I think that's kind of, you know, you're seeing that more and more in some of these things, the news stories that you see throughout college football right now. And you're wondering, I wonder what that's about. A lot of it is having to do with that right now. Wow. Being coachable and being able to, you got to extract these kids' best potential from them through hard work, through, you know, drills and training and working on your craft. And it's hard when you get handed a million dollars if you really want to go in and go to practice or go to class. I was yeah. going to say, hit that 6 a.m. workout. Sure. Yeah,
0: changes kinda. your mentality on the whole. Yeah. You look at your right. coach, you're like, yeah, this guy's making, you know, <laughs> 450 or 500,000. He's like, I'm like, you know, you, you, you can't teach me anything. I'm great. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. good. Right? I'm already great. Yeah. That's what people are telling me, help. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean. I didn't think about that. That's a, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's That's a good mindset point. thing that, yeah. that I definitely hear is, is, Sabin, is going around right now. Can you know? see, saving probably being fired up on some stuff. Like yeah. That, and
1: I'm, you you know? have to have your great points to be able to, you know, Alabama does it so, so well because, you know, if you're, if you're a high school kid, your goal is to, especially these high recruited guys, your goal is to come play the least amount of time, get to the NFL as quickly as possible. You want to play early. You want to get out early and you want to go make your money to change your life and, be a rock star right yeah. um you know alabama has shown that you know no matter different character guys they have a blueprint to get you in get you out and get you succeeding in the nfl proven and on to your next deal oh, it is proven over and over again so it's easy um you know it was harder for me to look to listen that you know you weren't the hottest thing on the block um okay i don't I, it was just, hard. it was hard. It's really hard as an 18, 19 year old kid to really sit and believe that you're not the best of the best, that you don't have it all figured out. Yeah. Oh, for it, sure. It, it was, it was mind blowing to me that I for didn't sure. think I I knew everything already and that I had so much left to learn. It's just the mindset you have whenever you're young. And I think being at a place like Alabama, watching that, it doesn't matter who you are. If you follow this blueprint down to a T, um, success comes from that. Yeah. Or good things come from that. They've you know, got, probably a hundred guys in the NFL right now, 70, 80, a hundred guys in the NFL. It's, it's unbelievable.
0: We drafted two. We drafted two. We drafted Mechie and we drafted the, uh, the linebacker. Um, what's the linebacker's name? Um, he's he's starting. I mean, we basically just cut somebody because he's performing so well. Um, John Mechie the third and Hey, find out who it is. First round uh maybe second but yeah no you're right they have that blueprint right and it's just you, you fit and um you know it's basically like insert and you know if you do this you do this you do this you do this you're going to succeed right
1: yeah i think i think the biggest thing too that you know something huge that i've learned throughout going to, throughout life i think is just you, know, you have to have the humility you have to have the humbleness no matter how big you get no matter yeah. how Selling my dad. larger than life you can get. You know, I feel at one point in time, you know, 2012, 2013, you, know, you probably couldn't walk into any bookstore with a magazine or, you know, anything in Texas or ESPN every single night or whatever, Sports Center. You know, I couldn't get away from um, the notoriety and the fame. And I think just doing it, it almost, you know, you, you do get dehumanized a little bit, you do get put on a pedestal of where you're larger than life type of thing. And, um, you know, I appreciate it so much more now, just letting it have been what it is and, and being grateful and being humble for the opportunities that I had in the past, but it's, it's really not all that serious. It's really not all that big a deal as great as, as great as you know life was at that time. And, and, um, nice as it was to be larger than life and do some, do some cool things. You know, I I like where I'm at now and living a much more normal carefree out of the way, um, life. You know, I, I feel like I live with a lot more humility, um, just through the mistakes that you make in life and through the things that have happened. You know, it, it is humbling and, and I think it all happens for a reason. Um, it's definitely shifted my mindset from there to here to this day.
0: You're echoing our father right now. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's number one, be humble, right. And no matter what, you know, be humble, you know, be, be humble, be kind. Right. And if, you know, if, if 43 year old Kenny could say to 23 year old Kenny, that would be what I would say to sure. myself is that, you know, you know, be, be humble, you know, don't, don't take any of the things you have for granted, you know, be kind to people. You know, and and take advice and freaking listen, you know, like you know, but be be subjective on who you take advice from. You know, you've got you know, you've got to sure you wanna if you're gonna be mentored, then that person needs to be capable of mentoring you. Of you don't just, you know, take you know, it's easy to I mean, I I I and I'm not gonna speak for you, but I could just imagine, like you said, I mean, you know, ESPN, you know, highlights every every night, Johnny Football Mania, um, especially in Texas. I mean, dude, I mean Anywhere you walk in, I mean, you know, you're mobbed, right? Um, how does it not get to you a little bit? I mean,
1: yeah. I think that's something else I was going to say as well. I think it's it's part of life. It's okay, you yeah. know. I think I was really really hard on myself for a long time because there were points in my life where I wasn't humble about it, yeah, and because I didn't understand um, gratitude to the, to the fullest or humility or certain things that I needed. You know, life found a way to bring that back to me full circle, and I think. You know, I would say it's okay to, at one point in time, recognize that you have been, you know, cocky about it, or you haven't been very humble about it. It's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. not anything that probably any one of us sitting here at this table has an experience. Everybody in life, I think, at some point in time, gets to that point where they do think they're bigger than than what they really are. It's and just and
0: how long does it take for you to realize to realize it, it and, yeah. and make the changes and accept it? And adjust it. it. Yeah. That's
1: it. Uh, everybody goes through that. It's, it doesn't matter who you are. And, and some people figure it out at 21, some yeah. at 25, some at 30, some at 40, some at 70. yeah, Some never.
0: I agree, man. I, I And there's a lot of nevers in there.
1: So I think that's the biggest part is, is, is realizing that, you know, even if you do fall victim to that, it's, it's very, you know, changeable. It's yeah. something that's very, um, it may not be easy. It may take a little different shift in your train of thought, but you know, it's it's definitely doable. It takes work.
0: Yeah, it you know, does. Just like anything, like anything positive, you know, and anything like for me, positive changes in my life t- took a lot of work. And I say took; it still takes every day a lot of work, right? Um, it's not it's not easy. It, it's it it is a lot of work. It's a lot of humility. It's a lot of being. You know, number one, to be honest with people, I had to be honest with myself, right? You got to be able to take those licks on the chin, and you know, when I make a mistake, I got to eat it and got to own it, right? And then. You know, once I own it, then it's time to now I've got to fix it. And then how can I not make that mistake again? And then how do we how do we teach others not to make that mistake? Right. Because some of them now we look at it and I I bet where you're sitting now, you can look at the landscape and go, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem because you've you've been there. Right. You've seen it. You've seen some of the situations that these guys are inevitably going to be in, yeah. right? And bad deals they're probably going to get into. And then people that they probably shouldn't be in bed with. You know, I mean, not you. Yeah. You know, not mean business deals. Business, or, you, know, yeah.
1: you know, it's like. I mean, you see a lot of it right now. Okay. For example, this University of Texas has this deal with Lamborghini of Austin and Mercedes and this and that. Yeah. You really need 17, 18 year old kids driving driving cars like this, Lamborghini yeah. SUVs yeah. and stuff, flying around thing, right? and, and yeah. doing stuff. Like there is a lot of it that that's obviously really cool and there's a lot of flash to it and stuff and it's great, but you know a lot of it's a lot of it's really wild and and really dangerous <laughs> yeah. to be driving through Austin flying around in a you know 350,000 dollars car that goes 250 miles an hour yeah. yeah like there there is a lot to it to a kid yeah.
0: that's probably going to be under the influence of some type of substance i
1: didn't make very good decisions when i was in college i know that you, you know, and me when both I was 17 18 years old you and me both yeah.
0: yeah so i can't you know i couldn't imagine you know now these kids got a pocket full of cash a bank account full of cash people, like you said, hand keys to a, you know, here's a, here's a, uh, you know, a vendor door or here's a, you know, here's an AMG's yep. a G wagon or here's a whatever, you know, just make sure you, you know, you, you know,
1: yeah, bring it back. We'll yeah. service it for free. <laughs> yeah, and Take blah, a photo, blah, 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 blah. you know, yeah.
0: post it on your Instagram for me and, you know, you know, do this and that or whatever engagements and this and that. And yeah, you're right. There's going to be a lot of people making a lot of bad decisions that's out wild. there. And that's, yeah. You know, gold yeah. and silver to me, you know, one of the reasons, and we sell a lot of gold and silver. The reason why I think you probably don't hear a lot about people buying gold and silver is because of the safety issue. Yeah. You know, you don't want to let somebody know that you it's just bought a half a million dollars of yeah, the gold, of right? Course. I mean, it's not very really, private. It's thing, very private. Right? So yeah. when we do, you know, we've got some very high net worth clients, a lot of athletes, um, a lot of, you know, former athletes and, um, and they and they buy this stuff because it's a hedge and it's cash and it's whenever they need it they know they can come to us to get yeah. liquidity, and that'd be one thing I'd say to some of these younger younger guys, whether it or not be gold or silver, but you know treasuries, uh, something safe that you can put your money in that you know you can get in five years or ten years, so you're not you know just on some free for all. Because let me tell you, I know what I did with a little bit of money that I had. I was I was in the computer business at a young age. Um, I made some really good money at a young age and I went to the (laughs) last, I I, I mean, it was like literally like that, you know, um, you know, I first started in this business, made some good money just like that. You know, never had, you know, I had my dad in my ear, but you you never get like, they tell you, Hey, you don't do this, but they don't tell you how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, no, what's your turning point for that? Um, educating myself, honestly, sitting down and saying, okay, like I need, I need a line of credit. I need credit, right? I need to be able, I need to let the, I need to have a, a, a real credit score, right? I can't right. live in the 550 to 600 world. Like that's, you can't live like that. So I worked on that. And then I got, you know, I actually sat down and, and, and actually went to a bank that I trusted in that. And I just laid all my cards on the table and, and, you know, I started doing all my business with that bank. And I got into some house flipping and do some, you know, and, and started kind of getting into and putting every every dollar that I had, I put into something
1: back into yeah. any to anything to something. anything
0: yeah. that was preventing me to spend it yes. because I'm that guy that's I'm not going to go buy Louboutins, but I'm going to go buy some Gucci's loafers. Or I'm going to go buy you know whatever. I'm going to go buy Armani jackets. I'm going to go get fitted for you know Tom Ford three piece suits. Like I'm going to be that guy, and I needed. See, I was to, a
1: traveler. Yeah, I was yeah. a traveler. Where yeah, I love. Yeah. yeah. Where I would take the trip trouble. or go on, the, you know, spend 10000 on a trip or something yep. and go yeah. somewhere. You get great memories Super for cool. seven days. But yeah. I, I almost <laughs> thought about, like, maybe the three-piece suit would have be, been better because at least <laughs> I, I could wear it, wear it three times, yeah. or four times. Well, what,
0: what I wish I'd have done was bought, you know, a half ounce of gold and then just put it in the safe, you know, and forgot about it. And then, you know, and then, you know, just just trying to educate myself about money and how it works. And it's funny because you've asked me this question this morning. I just asked, Yeah, he asked me and he said, how much cash do you have? And, and not in a, in a dollar amount, but I said, well, from what I've heard from multiple people is that you carry six months of your expenses mm-hmm. and everything else needs to be working. So, you know, yeah. you, it has to be into something, whether it's real estate, stock market, you know, uh, munis, uh, uh Metals. Metals. Yeah. People were, I mean, obviously watches, watches were, mm-hmm. were a hot were thing. I, yeah. I, I, we're not recommending you buy watches as investments <laughs> right now. It's a horrible idea. Um, um, so, but I mean, obviously to us, gold and silver, I think is the best, you yeah. know, I just long term, you know, you're not, it doesn't pay a dividend, you know, so that's a, dis, that's a disadvantage for a lot of people. A lot of people like dividend paying things. I mean, uh, um, you know, paying stocks and whatnot. Um, I do love real estate. Um, yeah. Big time. We're, but there's only so much. Yeah, you can have. I mean, I, I feel like even I, I asked you I was that on a it, Well, I was on a phone call last right. night, nine thirty, with a capital group, uh, a new capital group that they're trying to get me involved in this project in Dallas. Yeah. You know, and and it and it all sounds great, you know. And at the end of the day, it ends up being a hard money loan, and then they want to make you a general general partner versus. But it's just it's education, yeah, right? Just sure. trying to really just sit down. But it's kind of like nobody ever taught me about credit. Yep. Nobody, my my parents, not one of my parents taught me about credit.
1: Never knew anything about it.
0: Nah, I went. To, I wanted there was a Seiko kinetic watch that I wanted. It had it at Case Jewelers. It was three hundred and seventy nine dollars. Had one hundred and twenty dollars in my pocket. and I walked in. I put it on, and they were like, "Yeah, we we can get you financed." I was like, "Finance?" <laughs> so I was like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, you just pay like thirty bucks a month and blah blah blah." blah. I was like. Soul wrap that bitch up. I'm sorry, I wrapped that thing up and I uh put it on my wrist and I and I and I walked out and I started getting the bills in the mail and I paid like the first three or four, but like back then it was like I had to write a check and then put, a, put it in an envelope and then go find a stamp, yeah. and like put it in the mail. Like that happened for like yeah. three weeks and I mean three, three months and it was over with. And Funny. then I was, I, still on the, do that. I was on the crap list. I'm the worst. Yeah. I have to write check. I yeah.
1: remember, I remember being in the NFL. I just, was my first year in Cleveland. You know, I get this, uh, this, you know, brochure pretty much, I guess from American express. And I had, pretty much just been living like a, you know, I get drafted, I don't want to spend this money, I don't want to do anything, (laughs) you know, I got myself a nice watch. That was about it. And, uh, you know, I was pretty, essentially, like, I set myself up in a way to where it was almost like I was in college still, just getting that stipend check again. They would just send me X amount of dollars to a debit card, pretty much, and I would just, we're in the middle of the season, you're working all the time, you know, you're not really doing a whole lot. And I remember getting this thing in the mail, Um, from american express and i remember i didn't know anything about credit i didn't know what credit was or you know anything of the sort and i remember being like i wonder if i can apply for this credit card i wonder if i can actually get it meanwhile i'm in the national football league i just made you know x amount of millions of dollars this year and i'm worried about didn't know anything about this credit card if i'd be able to get it what can (laughs) i spend what can i do and I just remember that whole first process. And I'm like, oh, I wish I would have learned about this in school or been able to, yeah. you know, have some, you know, um, idea of what was actually going on and how the world actually worked.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy that, you know, it, it for me, it took a lot of running my head up against the wall repeatedly to, you know, to wake up. and. I actually, mean, I think that's yeah. how you
1: have to learn. It's how I've learned the majority of my lessons, you know, yeah. either through the hard way or through, yeah, you know, just kind of you know just being waking just, up and go wait a minute holy shit this like, can't be right yeah. this, yeah, this can't, <laughs> isn't sustainable forever i guess right you know, yeah way to look at it
0: this i think the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different yeah. result right yep. it's kind of like okay like i keep doing this over and over again and like yeah it just keeps negatively happening so i don't yeah. think that's changing anytime soon um well, yeah, so that was pretty deep. I just gave my whole life story out there. So, uh. <laughs> um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's the truth. And like, like you said, it all comes back down to like, okay, fine. All that stuff happened. Now what do we do? We work forward, right? We work positively and I'm not going to let it beat me up. It's not going to define me. You know, it happened. It's passed. I'm, I'm move forward. If, if, if somebody else is still holding on to it, that's on them. I, it ain't got nothing to do with me.
1: And that's all you can really do is, no. is focus internally on yourself and kind of keep going and keep pushing, just yeah. moving forward. The things that we've talked about, you know, being, being able to be, uh, you know, gracious for where you are in your life, whether it be good, bad right now, you know, ups, downs, you know, you, you keep pushing and keep going through it. Good things happen and, and continuing to stay positive is, you know, a way I try to live my life. You know, I sit here today and, you know, a lot of people wouldn't um, expect me to say that I think I'm happier now than I was whenever I was at the top of my, you know, life, even when I was in the NFL. Um, I feel happier now, like uh, there's a purpose for me moving forward in life that I don't necessarily know what it is yet, but there's something out there for me that, um, you know, I have faith in, I have, I have, uh, you know, positive ambition moving forward to try and continue to better my life piece by piece and day by day and, you know, it may not always look, you know, as glamorous and great as it is on the outside. But for me, you know, internally, personally, you know, I feel like I'm in a much better place than I've been in my life um, and, and better for the things that have happened to me in my life, good and bad.
0: Yeah, Well, I believe it. And, you know, I I believe it because it's exactly, you know, basically, you know, it's, it's kind of the same kind of some of the same stuff I've been through. And, and I have some a lot of close friends. I kind of, you know, that's just, you know, they took the hard knock life and, you know, and they're better people for it, you know, and they see things, they see things coming from a mile away now. Yep. Right. You know, you, your gut is, tells you, you know, it's like, okay, this is either a good thing or a bad thing. It's yeah. like, are you just going to listen to it or not? I'd say rather right? if you listen or not, yeah. I mean, that's up then, to you. Yeah. yeah. That's so, um, but well, we got off a little bit on some, uh, we gotta get a little bit fun in life, life lesson stuff, which is fucking awesome for me. I I like it because to me it's, it's real. It's, it's exactly what, you know, whether you're in business, whether, whatever it is you're doing, it's mindset. Yeah, I right, mean,
1: yeah. you look at us right now. We're pretty much all from different walks of life, from different different environments, to be able to sit down and talk about some of this stuff. You know, it's it's true, and it's uh, you know, it's beneficial for me to be able to sit here and talk down. I know we did get off on a little tangent of life, but it's always it's always good and positive to to, to hear stuff like this and hear reinforcement on the subject of it. Yeah.
0: Well, cause yeah. it's real. Like it's not, um, you know, I'm not an Ivy league grad that, you know, never made a mistake in my life. And, you know, always cross every T and dot every I, you know, I kind of lived on the edge a little bit and, um, you know, a family will change that. You yeah. Know? And sometimes it doesn't but for me it did you know and i won't say i live for my kids i love my kids to death i live for me and i and i do everything i can for my family right and that's my family and my brothers you know this is a family business that we're a part of you know we have you know i've combined now 40 employees you know in, in multiple buildings and you know we have to do it for them you know and then we have to make sure that we provide them safe haven where they've got they can build their families and we've watched a lot of our guys grow you know a couple i mean People don't, we don't have turnover. You know, we have people who literally come in, they commit, we commit to them. It's like, you know, it's like basically like a contract. Yeah, that's you know got to be an awesome feeling though. Oh, it's, dude, to me, it's the most fulfilling part of my job is to know that, yeah, I come in and I get on people's butts and I, and I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm tough on some of these guys, but at the end of the day, they know that we've got their back. Um, they know what they're good. They know what to expect out of us. You know, they know what they're going to get out of me. And that's going to be, we're going to get it done. We're going to do it with a positive, you know, mindset. um, And it's going to be okay. You know, it's always going to work out okay. As long as we stay positive and we keep doing the next right thing, things are going to be fine. You know, does it always, you know, is it always going to be the top? No, but I mean, but we're still going to feel good about it because we did it the right way. We're not going to cheat anybody. We're not going to go, you know, we're going to do everything the right way. And to me... That makes me put my head my head on the pillow at night, feel comfortable, wake up with a good positive you know attitude, and and that's that. Um, so yeah, no, what a cool cool little uh, little tangent there we went off on. But one thing I was thinking about we were talking about earlier was collecting. Um, you know, I, I told you my King Griffey thing. Like I, I collected baseball cards, but bro, like the King Griffey '89 Upper Deck was like the mecca for me. Like that was like the card. I remember our kid down the street had one, and I wanted one so bad. My dad was like, "Well, you know, most of them, most of them lawns, and you know, we all was selling uh, selling bottle waters at the uh, at uh, of course. the golf course, <laughs> and then they kicked us off." assholes um yeah uh, <laughs> i had a little cool i was making like 60 bucks a day over there man and they uh they got upset and then uh taking and, all their sales yeah i did um but um what did you collect what was uh
1: me and my dad were um big collectors of golf stuff you oh, know really? my dad cool. was a um this guy. huge golfer um, played on the mini tour for a little bit tried to do the whole golf journey and then whenever i was growing up this was the height of, you know, I was born in 92. So around like, you know, eight or nine years old was this rise of tiger woods. And, um, I loved it. Couldn't get enough of it and have all these, you know, different tiger woods, you know, collectible balls. We have, we have, um, trading cards, um, flags from places that he had won. Um, but you know, I got to really, my, you know, huge part of my growing up especially sports related was was revolved around tiger woods loved it i love that rise that yeah. 2000 2001 season to me was awesome um you know i was always a big baseball and football guy but for whatever reason as far as collecting and you know just keep stuff that we still have to this day that i go back um Home and see is is just all this awesome Tiger Woods memorabilia. You all yeah. did that together, That's cool. yeah. That's so cool. It's Pebble Beach, you yep. know, sign flag on, on the year that he won by thousand yep. strokes. I feel like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. And then to get a chance to go with my dad and to go to you know go to the Masters, go watch Tiger, you know, play there. Didn't get to go the year that he won, but um, just to s- see certain um, things that, you know, you collected when you were a kid to actually go to some of these places and witness and get to see Pebble beach, play Pebble beach. And, you know, Yeah. it's really, really special connection that I think I have with my pops that we still have and stuff that we'll never get rid of. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, I made sure, um, you know, when I got in a position to be able to have trading cards and be able to do certain stuff that went about the right way to where, you know, we saved a, a ton of the stuff, um, from my rookie cards and for, um, you know, my couple of years in the NFL, because, you know, it's awesome to be able to sit there as a kid and collect this stuff. And then, you know, maybe one day down the future, be able to show my kids some of this stuff that, you know, was very, very special. fortunate to be able to be in a position to do that. So, you know, it, it is very, very special.
0: It's cool. That's really cool. That's a pretty big golfer. Yeah. And uh, we actually have some pretty cool Tiger Wood memorabilia, Tiger Woods memorabilia upstairs. I have a good amount too. I I think
1: those irons that um, were just sold, you know, I think uh, last year were done. That was was really, really cool.
0: Tell me about it. I don't know. I I think they traded for. Yeah, I think it was like like a replica set of
1: of his irons from 2000 to 2001. It was like a backup set that recently just went up for auction. They sold for big, big money. Really? Really cool. I think someone
0: had bought them originally for like.
1: Yeah, it was like I want to say it. Uh, I think it was like two million bucks. Yeah, somewhere, yeah. somewhere around two million bucks, and there was there was. Oh,
0: fact check it. Yeah, because I th- I think they originally bought it for like a hundred something grand or yeah. something, and then auction, and then they put it back out on the market, and they went for seven figure. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Super cool though. So you like the coins? So you know. So just to give you some backstory. So Johnny came in. We showed him some coins. Showed him some stuff we're working on, and. um I will be honest with you and I'm just going to I'm going to say this freely just because we're all here just chatting but you really looked like you really liked those coins like yeah. I mean I've never we we've shown people coins like guys that like aren't coin guys and I'm I literally watched you look at that coin that you have in your hand for like 20 minutes like
1: I've just never had the opportunity to be able to see something like this you know obviously you're dealing with um you know in daily life, you you know give somebody a ten. You come back, you get a couple quarters, you get some change, and by now <laughs> yeah. you kind of look, um, don't even kind of look at a quarter. Anymore. You throw it in the car, you throw it in a jar or something. But yeah, you know the just severity of some of these coins and just uh, just how rare and just awesome looking they are, and also how heavy. You know this isn't um, anything you see, at least in my life on a daily basis. You guys obviously do, but you know I'm just blown away at how intricate and how um, how nicely designed these coins are. It's it's amazing that they have the ability um, just from a machine to be able to do this. Yeah. It's crazy where technology's getting to be able to make something that's, that's this um, unique.
0: Yeah. No, it, listen, I mean, we're, we're pretty much as blown as blown away as it has. And we've been around coins are, and like yeah, I said, for, pretty for much, forever. you know, I, I can remember, you know, our first house, I remember, um, which ended up being your nursery, um, I, dad had an office and he had silver dollar bags on a desk and he was just sorting them. And I would just sit in a chair opposite of him. I don't know what the hell he was doing, you know, but I just remember, you know, watching him do that with this little light, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, so coins, you know, to me have always been fascinating, but like you said, yeah, the technology is getting different in the ways that we, you know, we can bring coins, you know, my, I feel like it's kind of our job, you know, is to, to carry the tradition to keep the hobby alive so how do we keep the hobby alive is by getting <coughs> is by getting coins in people's hands that normally wouldn't collect coins right so like you've never collected anything yeah, no. but i've given you some of these and now it's kind of like okay i mean you can see yourself owning something like that i mean if, is that something like you know it's like wow i didn't realize that they looked this cool this is something that you know if it was a sustain, you know substantial i mean a sub substantiated market where you could actually see, you know, bids and ask, and there's a trading market for it. Um, it makes a lot of sense, and that's where this whole rare coin business is. There are some really cool rarities out there. Yeah. You know, we're showing you some bullion type stuff, but you know, when we're done, I'll we'll take you next door and I'll show you some stuff that'll. I mean, I'll show you some stuff that'll blow you away, um, as far as you know, rarity. You know, coins that were made, you know, in the 1700s yeah. and stuff that have a survival rate of, you know we've got some pretty cool stuff and that's pretty much what my dad is, is laid the groundwork for us to do is be able to take that to the next level. What
1: is the, what is the oldest, you guys know the oldest coin that that's been found? Is that a so that a weird question to ask? No, no,
0: no, not at all. So like there's like biblical time coins that are, you know, um, you know, you to have, have some BC coins, which I'll show you, we have some in stock. Um, you know, that I think they are what 200 BC or yeah or um, earlier. Yeah. And earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wild. Yeah, and then you've got you know, your Greek and Roman coins, right? They're really, really, really Wild. cool. Oh, dude! I've got some gold over there. I'll show you. I'll show you some. And then you've got like colonial. Then you've got your shipwreck coins, like you know, sixteen hundred and seventeen. How awesome is
1: that? Coins. How do you have something that that almost you know outlast time?
0: It's yeah. That's why. That's why the hobby's so fun. And that's why for me, I feel like we have a duty to continue and pass it on, right? But it's like trying to find how do we get into like you know, you got your phone, I got my phone. We're all like, no one's away from their phones, right? How do we? How do we get coins into younger guys' hands? Like, so, like, you know, let's just say, you know, 20 year old kids, they're not collecting coins. But if we made them cool. Yeah. And, you know, futuristic and, and yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, maybe we could, maybe we could get the hobby going because, so we've had the privilege today, guys, to have Johnny Manziel um, on the podcast. Uh, We covered a little bit about coins. Man, we just, we actually just got into a little, um, you know, just got into just a little life, little bit of life lessons and just kind of, you know, looking back and doing some reflection and just where it all starts. And really, you know, to us, and like you've heard me say it a lot of times is, you know, positive and being positive is 100% essentially the key to almost anything you're going to do. If you're going to wake up or uh, with a negative attitude or walk into something with a negative attitude, the 90 times, nine, nine times out of 10 out of of hundred it's going to be negative. So mindset 100% is, and if, I mean, if, if, 2022, Johnny had one thing to say to 2012, Johnny, what would you say?
1: I would, I would probably accept that, uh, humility and that humbleness a little bit earlier than I did. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to be humbled by life. It's okay to have your, your ups and your downs. Um, but the biggest thing is stay positive and keep going, you know, better days are ahead, no matter how bleak and how bad they look sometimes, you know, um, just keep pushing, you know, there's, there's a great life left to be lived out here and, uh, make the most of it because you only get one go at it.
0: Dude. Freaking awesome, man. Johnny Menzel, an absolute honor to have him on our, our podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, we are.
1: Appreciate you. Yeah.
0: Very appreciative. Very grateful, man. Thank oh, man. you so much. Yeah. Thank you, boys. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm Kenny. That's Matt. And that's Johnny. Guys, thank you very much for tuning in.
1: You've been listening to The Coin Shop podcast with your host, Kenny
0: and Matthew Duncan. For more information, please check out uscoinsandjewelry.com.
1: And please join us again soon for another edition of The Coin Shop Podcast.